Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm Zarina Pry. And I'm Allison Langer. This is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in the story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. We got Zarina back on our show. Hey, hey, hey. Ha ha ha. Hoo hoo hoo. Okay, are you guys done? <laughs> We're about to bring you stories from Writing Class Radio's first annual Key Largo writing retreat that happened in December 2022. And Zarina was there when all that magic happened. <laughs> all I can think about is the uh, karaoke. <laughs> Yeah, so that was magic. That was that was magic. Super Epic. fun. Yeah. And all Epic. the stories that came out of it. Yeah. Can I brag? Didn't I get one published? I got one in the Huffington Post. You did. What I think I did too. Yes, you, you did. did. Actually, you got two published, Allison Langer. You both did. of the stories that we workshopped in both our Key Largo writing retreats have been published big time. Yeah. You, Washington so, Post, yeah. me, Huffington Post, and Washington Post. Zarina. I'm in the middle, like my, you know, my, my story was a little personal. So it took a minute for me to get the courage. It's submitted somewhere and I'm just waiting. It's en camino. (laughs) At Key Largo writing retreat, we told our students to think about a time everything changed. And then we walked them through the story spine, which is, oh my God, I love the story spine. It's a structure, which is as old as time. It's really the model. It's a model. It's the model for every fairy tale, but it really works for like every story because it's totally intuitive. It's just the structure that we have in all of our collective unconsciouses. First, before I explain what Andrea just said, let's delineate a little bit between story and prompt response and so that our listeners understand what we're bringing them today. Okay, so we like to make a distinction between a story that has been workshopped and worked on at home and rises to the level of what I like to say call art and a prompt response, which, sorry, Alice is vomiting, but there is a difference between a completed story and a prompt response. Although there are some people lately who can write a story just out of the box, but it's very, very rare. But what we're bringing you today are three prompt responses that came out of prompt writing to the story spine. Does that make sense? All right. Well, it might make more sense when we um, explain what story spine is. So first of all, we give our students the prompt. Okay. In the beginning. Wait, first, I think we asked them to think of a time every, everything changed. What Andrea said, think about a time everything changed. And then I said, okay, in the beginning, and then people just write for three minutes. Then I interrupt and say, but one day and give another three minutes. And because of that, another three minutes. And because of that, another three minutes. And maybe I'll say that again until finally 
and people still write. And then nothing was the same. And then I give people about three to five minutes to kind of just explain basically how whatever this situation was impacted their life. And that is the part that makes a situation and a story different. So a lot of people come to the table with just a situation, this crazy thing happened to me, but because of until nothing was the same, here you're forced to write how the situation impacted you. And that's, am I saying impacted, right? Impacted, impacted. But what you're saying is making me realize why this prompt and this like following these prompts all in a row are so good because they force you to take a situation and think about what the meaning of it was for you. And that's what makes the situation a story. Boom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It keeps you from going outside of the rails too. And, you know, going down an avenue where you're just like, okay, what am I saying? And just getting off track. It really does work. So we're going to hear three prompt responses to this. And, and then we'll talk later about whether or not these are full stories. We could, because maybe they are. Up first is Pamela Lear, then Jane Marks, then Kim Costigan. Back with their prompt responses after the break. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. I'm Allison Langer, and every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time, I host First Draft. It's a class kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. We're back. This is Zarina Fry and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Each student responded to the prompt, a time everything changed, and used the story spine structure. Pamela Lear is currently writing her memoir, A Mother-Daughter Medical Story. She facilitates a variety of writing workshops, including one designed specifically for individuals with chronic illness and or disability. Pamela is pursuing her MFA in creative nonfiction from Bay Path University. Here's Pamela Lear reading her prompt response, which she titled Beach Days. In the beginning, I assumed being a mother was the easiest, most natural thing I would ever do. From the time I was 16 or so, I dreamed of family. Little children in a fantasy world of laughter, loving embraces, cute clothing, and lots of friends. We would hang out for a day at the beach with coolers, umbrellas, and boogie boards. Or we'd have friends over for dinner and literally coo over how well our children all got along. Then one day, we were in that future, and I looked at my husband, my house, and my kids, and said, probably out loud, what the fuck? We were on our way to Bates Beach at Rincon Point, laden not only with the coolers, umbrellas, and boogie boards, but also with the diaper bag, sunscreen, hats, nappy blankets, water bottles, pacifiers, 
three swimsuits per kid, at least a dozen diapers, cream for baby butt rash, two magazines I knew I wouldn't actually have time to read, and my husband would insist he needed to bring two six-packs of beer as well. And because of that, the exhaustion, the responsibility, the overwhelm, I sat down on the driveway and began to cry. Not some sniffles with a few delicate tears running down my pudgy mom face that simply wouldn't drop the extra weight. No, these were deep, heaving sobs that accompanied a sense of desperation, the need to release the burden that was just too heavy. Because of all that, I simply couldn't budge. Brett and the kids looked at me. Honey, come, I'll help more, Brett said. Mommy, I want to go, said five-year-old Sean as he stood in front of me, his little flamingo-covered swimming trunks hanging on slim hips, a beach towel draped over his shoulders as if he were already a too-cool surfer dude. He leaned over and put his arms around my neck. Mommy, don't cry. The little one, only 18 months, may have sensed the dilemma. Mothers shouldn't be unhappy. Mommies were supposed to soothe others. My baby girl landed in my lap, her little body solid and warm. I looked up at the bright sun shining on us with an ambiance of purpose. This could be a glorious day. It was only 10 a.m. on a Saturday. The cloud moved to the left, partially covering the sun. Sean shivered, and Shana snuggled closer. And Brett said, Well? Okay, I said. Let's go. Tantrum over. We repeated those beach days over and over. Now, 40 years later, we wonder how we ever did so much in a given minute, day, hour. Then we gather the grandchildren for a day of adventure. We feel the same sense of overwhelm, and yet we do it again and again. And we'll keep doing that until we simply can't anymore. I love it. I do. You guys okay? Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, I can't, it's some people are able to get to the very end, like tell a whole story in one prompt response. And I think she really did it. Yeah, I agree. One thing that I love about this structure is like, and because of that, and because of that, it's like, it ramps up. Mm-hmm. And like, she did that so well at that moment where, um, and I cry and she talked about her pudgy mom face. And then she just sat down on the driveway and cried. And because of that, I couldn't budge. It was just like the situation got worse and worse. Yeah. And she also, the details are so vivid and excellent. Where this prompt I see really works is where uh, before she goes to the, uh, because of that, when she says the husband need to bring a six pack, like that could have easily turned into a husband wife story, but that's not what this particular prompt response was about. It was about a mother dealing with this reality uh, of being a, a mother that wasn't near the fantasy she thought it was. Because she had this in the beginning, I had this right. fantasy that motherhood would be natural and easy. So she told us that right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, ahead. no, no. That's it. She really crammed in a lot of details too. So that's really helpful. You know, we really get it. We see all the stuff, the gear, all that kind of stuff. And I, I do think that richened the story. 
I remember listening to her uh, read this story at the uh, retreat and, you know, we were all outside by the water and here she is talking about this beach. So I'm sure like even the, just where we were riding really just brought us there because she did a really good job. Not to say that she wouldn't, she's a great writer, but it just added to just the, the placement of uh, this, this uh, prompt response. I wonder if like being at the, being at the beach or being by the water, like that's like a sense memory. Like maybe there's something else that, that helped her bring out all of these details. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Really I mean, yeah. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Pam. That was awesome. The next prompt response is by Dr. Jane Marks, a conservation ecologist and professor of aquatic ecology at Northern Arizona University. If you like her voice and you will, you can hear a full story by Jane on our podcast, episode 149, How to Make Your Writing More Personal in any field. Yeah, she just told the story on our podcast a few weeks ago and it was balls out. Mm-hmm. Jane's the coolest. You, you read her bio and you think she's going to be some boring like biologist or something, but mm-mm-mm. Jane's the bomb. No, Jane's the shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> In the beginning, I was happy, oddly happy, outgoing, chatty, observant. And every day I was smiling and laughing to myself. What's so funny, my mom would ask. I would tell her, but mom struggled with depression and never seemed to understand. So I stopped trying to explain. When my mom gave her toast at my wedding, she said, all her life, Jane is laughing, but she won't share what she's laughing about. Maybe Bruce will finally find out. But one day, nothing was funny. I had breast cancer. Stage three, full-blown mastectomy, chemo, radiation, cancer. A 50% chance of it coming back, cancer. A flip a coin and I live or die, cancer. At first I was strong. I bought a wig, colored pencils and drawing pads. But chemo made me sicker and sicker. And because of that, I got depressed, really depressed. I couldn't see a way out. I felt like I was a burden to my husband and kids. And because of that, I turned to my mom. We weren't close, but she seemed to understand. Just cry, she told me. Sometimes I would call her and just cry. Good things will happen to you and your family again, she said. I held on to that thought and good things did happen again. Because of that, I saw my mom differently. I saw her as someone who could support me. I respected her, I understood her. Until finally she was dying. At 96, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and the doctors couldn't treat her. She fell into a clinical depression. She had only a few months to live and she begged to have electroshock therapy because she didn't want to be depressed when she died. And I was sad because I wanted to talk with her, but she couldn't or didn't want to. Ever since then, I still hate cancer, but I value that cancer was the only time I felt close to my mom. Wow. I, ah, didn't this just take a turn? 
she she starts off being happy and then it ends up being so heavy. Um, this spine really helped this narrator stay on track because, I mean, we're talking about some heavy issues here, mother and daughter, um, cancer, and it can you can easily go any way with this story. And it keeps the spine. It's a that's a really great word for it, the spine, because it keeps it straight. You know, I love it. This spine took this narrator and helped her tell the full story of her relationship with her mom, like from kid to her mom's death. And it became a story. And because because of cancer, because of the depression and because of cancer and because she got cancer and depressed. And then she turned to her mom and she just cried. And because of that, she then trusted her mom. I mean, it really like it showed the whole evolution of this mother daughter relationship. I love this story. Really amazing. Yeah. One good thing here is that she says in the beginning that her mom was depressed and we never know why or what made her depressed, but you don't care because of the way the story flows. You're still getting a lot of information that's satisfying to the prompt response. Uh, Yes. I think she just told us just enough information. Mm hmm. I was going to see how many, how many words was in this 335. It's amazing. It really is an evolution. Yeah. And if she wanted to make it bigger and longer and more in depth, she could show us more of the mom and daughter relationship. There's opportunity there. So what the spine does, it, it gives you sort of an outline and then you go back and fill it in. Falls out. Uh, I don't know why I keep using that term with them, um, with this narrator, but it's because of the, it's Brussels sprout balls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's a reference to um, Jane Marks's story where she wrote about wrinkly green balls, which were Brussels sprouts. In 149. And no one wants any wrinkly green balls. Well done. The final prompt response is by Kim Costigan. Kim is a writer in Winthrop, pursuing a master's degree in creative writing at Emerson College. She's also a star at karaoke. I'm a witness. Yeah, we all witnessed it. It was unbelievable. Don't lie. (laughs) And that's what happens at at our writing retreats. Karaoke Mm -hmm. is good. We do. (laughs) Yes, we do. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. Because the world needs to see it. In the beginning, I knew something felt wrong, but I didn't know how to name it or talk about it. The worst part was that my body reacted spontaneously to the physical sensation of being touched down there. Every day after that seemed to be shifting and changing me in ways that were painful. I blamed myself, even at age five, for the horrible things my father was doing to me. He told me that if I told my mother... I would be taken away from her. He whispered in my ear as his hand rubbed between my legs. He told my mother he was tucking me in on those nights. I'm sure she had no idea what was happening. But then, one day, he was gone. I was about nine the first time he left. It was welcome news when my mother and father sat us down to tell us they were separating. Because of that, my sister and I were not unhappy. A sense of relief came over me. 
My father leaving meant our nights were peaceful, and I could sleep uninterrupted. There were a few months of no fighting, no yelling, and no worrying that my father would creep into our bedroom at 3 a.m. while my mother slept in the next room. That feeling did not last, though, because my mother then announced, Your father is moving back home. He promised to stop drinking. He's going to AA. Because of that, I returned to worrying about being awoken from my sleep. It wasn't long before he returned to drinking again, hitting my mother again, bothering my sister and me again, and this was the pattern. Things would get bad, he would leave, he'd cry and promise to be better, and my mother would take him back. Each time, my sister and I would cry, not when he was leaving, but when my mother would announce he was coming back. We would yell, no, we don't want him back, please, mommy. Until finally in 1980, when I was 15, they separated for good. My mother said they were divorcing and selling our house. We would be moving to my grandmother's trailer in the next town. I hated to leave my neighborhood where my friends were close by, but it was finally going to be over. He wouldn't be able to come into our room at night. We would be safe. Ever since then, I've been trying to make sense of those first 15 years, of my mother's blindness to what was actually happening, to the violence we witnessed and experienced, and to recover from the worst betrayal a father can perpetrate on a child. The question I ask over and over again is why? And this story breaks my heart every single time I hear it. I know. I'm like, I have chills, but scary chills. And she tells it so perfectly. She really does. I mean, honestly, no needless words, just really to the point, direct, and in the voice of a five-year-old and a nine-year-old and a 15-year-old, you know? So I think that's what's super effective. Yeah. The spine did an interesting thing here. Instead of like, she told us the dramatic information at the top. And then because the dad left, like there was a sense of relief because of that was like, a, instead of a ramping up, it was like sort of a cooling down. Um, but then she used, and because of that, but my father was moving back. And because of that, then it's like the tension ramps up again. It's just a way to use the because of that. Like they can, you can think of them in segments to like rise the action or like reduce the tension, to increase the tension or reduce the tension. She did both and it was just gorgeous. You know, I think the spine is a really great tool for telling a story where you're referencing some really heavy stuff, but that's not the story. You're really trying to get to something else. And that usually we've been told like, hey, that's a bomb, right? Well, you know, you need to go back and unpack that a little bit more. You know, in this case, I'm sure, you know, it, it seems to me that this prompt response seems to be getting me ready to learn more about Kim and the mother, right? So it's really, it seems like a, a you know, like a prologue to uh, a mother and daughter story. It could be the prologue to her memoir. 
Mm-hmm. I'll let her know. She's in my memoir class on Monday night. But what about prologues? Um, Do people read the prologue? I think so. And maybe it's just the first chapter. Maybe it's not a prologue. Yeah. Maybe it's just the first chapter. Yeah. So it's the beginning. And because wh- how it ends is so interesting. It's all about, she's setting up why. That's what I love so much about stories. The stories that are asking that question, why? Like, why did that ha- this happen? How could a father betray a child in this way? How could a mother be blind to this? Why? Why did this happen? Mm, so good. Yeah, really, really good. It's amazing. Wow. So I do think these three are stories. They might not be fully fleshed out or final, but they're well on their way to being stories because they do have a situation and they do all of them. There's a questioning or like, maybe this one's not there yet, but the narrators have changed and they're growing and they're learning. And that's what makes a story. You know, going back to the prologue thing, um, I tend to skip over them sometimes, but I think this would still be good for like a website, you know, for an author website, if they're trying to sell their book, it's uh, something they can go to just content for that. That's another reason to go to the spine. It's a way to tell your whole story in a very succinct way. Yes, exactly. It's a way to map out an entire memoir or an entire solo show or an entire essay. Ah, really good. Good exercise, a really good tool, good writing tool. I just wanted to say that, um, that when we heard these in Key Largo, I was blown away. And now that I'm hearing them again, I am equally blown away. Yeah, it's just as good. It's still good. Well, we should tell our listeners that, that we will be having another retreat probably, what, early December 2023? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So look for it. Start saving some money and some vacation time. It is not only a great place to write and find community, but it is like a retreat haven. It's on the water. It's beautiful. The weather's insane. The food is delicious. The food. What? Amazing. We have the best chefs ever and they come and they pour love into our healthy food and you leave just feeling complete and whole and healthy and it's just a great place. Really great experience. guys for listening and thank you Pamela Lear, Jane Marks and Kim Costigan for sharing your stories. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer and me, Andrea Askowitz and your guest host, Zarina Fry. <laughs> Audio production by Matt Kundal, Evan Serminski and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music is by Emia. There's more writing class on our website, including stories we study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. For $35 a month, you can join our first draft weekly writers group. You have the option to join me on Tuesdays, 12 to 1 Eastern time. And me, Zarina Fry, Wednesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern. You'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote. If you're looking to take your writing to the next level, check out all the classes we offer at writingclassradio.com. Join the community that comes together for instruction, an excuse to write, and most importantly, the support from other writers. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Give
produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.